So I start eating that way, feel fantastic. I start dropping inches pretty rapidly. And again, I'm eating to satiety. One of the other things I notice is that like, man, I do not need breakfast. And I also notice like, you know what? I really just like eating once a day. And now, now I just play it very much by ear. Right now, I'm like, hey, if I'm hungry at lunch, I'll eat lunch. But if not, I'll just have dinner. It's fine. Welcome to the Super Human Life. I'm your host, Frank Rich, and this is the only podcast in the world dedicated to helping men break free from the shackles of addiction through the power of faith and fitness. It is our goal with every episode to help you take back control and rebuild your body, mind, and spirit. And we do so by bringing you real and raw conversations with people just like you, aiming to find their place in this world while dealing with the everyday struggles and battles that we all face. Now, it is my belief that we were all created for a specific purpose. And if we can harness that belief or faith, then take control of our mind and body or fitness, then we can ultimately create the life that we've always dreamed about, our own superhuman life. I want to let you know how grateful and blessed I am to have you here with me today. Let's get on to today's show. Matthew Cruz has a story to tell. Growing up in what would be considered not ideal circumstances, he found himself turning to food in order to fill some emotional gaps. And what this led to is this led to an addiction to food and him reaching a point uh, early on in his life uh, in high school at his peak of 265 pounds at five foot eight uh, with a 48 inch waist. Uh, but through sheer hard work, determination, he was able to overcome a lot of those challenges. Uh, but one thing that was attached on or he was attached on to his entire life was a strong addiction and pull to pornography. Um, and as a Christian man, this is something that he battled with a lot internally. There was a lot of shame, regret, doubt if he was truly living the life that he was destined to live. Um, and it wasn't until he radically changed his diet something that I've talked about doing multiple times on this podcast. Uh, And it was in this radical shift uh, where he found uh, not just a diet that fulfilled all of the needs that he he had, uh, but ultimately made him feel incredible, gain a lot of mental clarity. And through grit, hard work, determination, consistency, and being connected to a strong group of individuals, people that he can lean into, uh, he was ultimately able to end his addiction, not just with food, not just with pornography, uh, but what he also cons- uh, looked at as uh, an addiction to alcohol. Um, so we're going to share his story today. There's a lot of jam-packed, valuable information in this episode, guys. But before we before we move on, I do need to let you know that we are discussing some serious topics. We are discussing some sensitive topics. So if you're easily offended, this may not be the right episode podcast for you. Um, so make sure to run through the run through the list of episodes that we have. If it's your first time checking out the Superman Life. Um, but guys, we're going to, we're going to get into Matt's story. He's going to share with us how he's been able to go on this journey that he's been on. And now why is he giving it all back? Why is he writing blogs? Why is he going on podcasts? Uh, because he wants to help others. And that's what this show, that's what this episode, that's what this entire movement of the superhuman life is all 
about. Guys, we are 100% dedicated to helping men break free from the shackles of addiction through the power of faith and fitness. So with every single episode, with every single guest, our goal is to reach and impact as many people as we possibly can. So if this is your first time checking out the episode and you enjoy this conversation with Matt, please make sure to give us a thumbs up or subscribe. Sorry, we're not on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, so make sure to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, written review. Um, and if there's somebody within your life that you know needs to hear this message, please do us the one service and share it with them. But without further ado, guys, we're going to jump right into the conversation with Matthew Cruz talking alcohol, porn, food addiction, and the carnivore diet. Matt, you know what, man? You know, you know something that I've never, ever heard anybody say um, in the last few years or so that I've been following the carnivore diet? I've never heard anybody say the phrase, carnivore diet made my life worse. No. Uh, <laughs> right? You know, it's just, no. it's, just it's, it's, no. it's, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, there's, there's tons of forums. There's, there's people posting all. Like nobody's ever said, yeah, you know what? I started this all meat diet and everything just went down the tubes for me. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I'll put, I'll, I agree. I'll put a little asterisk on that. And if, uh, depending on someone's diet, I have come across cases where people, they had a very heavy fiber diet mm -hmm. and then they went carnivore and then they had some issues with bowels, just having really loose bowel. And that's because your colon is what's normally reabsorbing a lot of water. Mm -hmm. But if you have a high fiber diet, Fiber grabs a lot of that, so the colon doesn't have to work as hard. And so that really strong switch can cause you to have some runny stool initially, mm -hmm. but your colon will switch back on. And so typically people who experience that, they say like a week, maybe two. So that's one of those things where when I talk with people and they're thinking about this transition, I'm talking, I sit down with them like, okay, this is going to be good. You're going to feel better. But, you know, here, here's some things that you need to be aware of just in case. But that's actually really infrequent. I have not come across many cases. Of that. Yeah. No, I actually experienced something very similar. And, and it's always, you know, in clients that I'm working with or people that I'm saying, hey, to recommend it to. I'm like, yeah, be aware that this may possibly happen. But like you said, it's, it's a transition, you know, which I think you go through kind of in, in anything you're starting new. There's going to be an element. And, and really, depending upon how long you've kind of been going down the wrong hole, I mean, that transition yeah. may be a little bit longer uh yeah, yeah it, it definitely subsides and um you know like i said the the benefits are are tremendous i've shared my story and i'm really excited to kind of get in uh to what the diet has done for you because um you have an incredible story and i'm just excited to have you on the podcast with me here today because um i know it's really going to resonate with a lot of people out there and and there's going to be some real real impact um out of this show um so i guess my question is like are you are you still uh, carnivore or have you now transitioned back into more of a traditional style uh, keto? Oh, definitely carnivore. And I'll put, again, I'll put an asterisk on that. I'm an engineer. So <laughs> <laughs> I always, I put an asterisk on almost everything. because <laughs> Precision. Yep. So I would say I'm like 95% carnivore. And the reason for that is I am a, I'm a Christian. So my number one mandate in life is to reach other people with the gospel, mm -hmm. right? And so if I'm at work and someone brings in a special treat 
this happened a few weeks back. Um, it was the moon festival. And so someone brought in moon pies and they're from China. And that's a really big deal. And they were really excited to share that. I had a bite of it, right? I, tr- I tried it. So because for me, it's, it's more about reaching people than it is about having following this diet in a dogmatic way. And that's one of the things that uh, I like to talk with people about is like, hey, man, don't, don't make this a religion for you. This is a way of eating. It's a tool. It's very valuable. It helps a lot of people. But don't feel like you have to just give up all those things in life that you enjoyed before. And honestly, my, my desire for that stuff has pretty much disappeared. I can't remember the last time I had a, a dessert um, just because it's not my thing. Yeah. It's, 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 it's like the difference of you, you know, what you're saying. It's like, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to say no to that. You're there to support people and bring people closer together. Um, the difference is so many people say, Oh, I couldn't go on the carnivore diet. Like, cause I need, you know, I need my cupcake or I need my, you know, Ben and Jerry's on Friday night. It's like, they start saying that I need that, you know, phrase. And it's like what you're saying. It's like, you've lost that desire. So, yeah. um, and, and that's, that's, that's great. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we've already gotten to that point because, um, you know, really where I want to go with, with, uh, this conversation today is ultimately like sharing your story. And I know that, uh, carnivore diet has, um, had some incredible, kind of impact in, in transformation for you physically, uh, yeah. mentally, uh, but it's really brought you out of some, some really challenging, difficult places. Um, yeah. So I want to, you know, I want to take people kind of, cause I've heard your story and it's super powerful. Um, and I've read your, you know, I've read your blogs online and everything. And first of all, man, I just, I'm so glad that, that there's people like yourself out there that are, um, you know, I don't want to say real people, but you know, like you said, like, you're not, you know, you're not a writer. You're not a, you know, you're, you're not a podcaster. Like you're, you're an engineer by trade. Uh, but you had something really impactful happening in your life. And, um, you know, you started a blog. So, uh, I definitely want to get into the story and, and I think in doing that, we'll kind of be able to unpack a lot of this. So, um, you know, like I said, the carnivore has really helped you kind of overcome a lot of these challenges. So, you know, maybe kind of take us back, you know, to kind of these early years, because I know you've gone through, um, some different phases of challenges and, and call them addictions or whatever in your life. But I think if we can kind of bring people, you know, through the process of, of, of your journey, um, and in that we'll be able to really kind of unpack and and bring some value to people and hopefully, you know, find that person out there that maybe is in one of those places where either yourself or my, you know, myself was, um, and and really help them, um, you know, maybe find the answer for, for what they're looking for. For sure. For sure. I, I love to. Um, so I kind of have a, a classic origin story for people in the keto and carnivore community. Uh, grew up a fat kid. Never remember being fit or thin or anything like that. Um, some people, they say like, oh, I was fit through my teenage years. And then I hit you know, 20s or 30s and I started to gain weight. Like, man, I was always fat. <laughs> I was always fat. Uh, and I was always, can't, like I said, I, I cannot remember, no matter how far back I go in my memory, I can't remember like, oh yeah, I was fit back when I think in, oh gosh, was it with eighth grade? I was probably like 230, 240 pounds wow. on a five foot six frame. And I think at my, you know, quote unquote peak, uh, I was probably about 17 years old in high school and I was 265. So 265 on a five foot six frame will give you about a 48 inch waist. So 
pretty, pretty chubby. <laughs> and the way that happened is I grew up in a, um, I kind of joke in an emotionally dynamic home. My dad has bipolar. And so when we were at home, it was always kind of a question of like, okay, well, which version of dad is here today? And I quickly learned to manage how I felt by eating. Uh, so just eating, eating food, eating cookies, eating pizza. And now that I'm older and I re- reflect and I look back, it made sense. The, the foods that I was going to were the, the classic dopamine foods, the, the breads, the pastas, the cookies, things like that, because mm-hmm. it, would, it would make me feel better, lots of sugar. My, my favorite thing to do uh, back in the day was I would get those, those 99 cent microwave pizzas, which are terrible, but I would, <laughs> I would, I would take one of those and I'd grate a bunch of cheese on it and microwave that and sit down and eat the entire thing. And that was really sad, but that was the way I would medicate how I felt. Yeah. Real, real quick, uh, Matt, uh, how, how old are you? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, I'm 35 right now. Okay. So you and I are like, we're, I'm, I just turned 36 back in August. So we're, so we grew up, I mean, like right at the same time. Yeah. So funny said like the 99 cent frozen pizzas. Uh, yeah. Cause dude, that was like, that was one of my go-tos. Like, as oh. do. Um, so I, I mean, I wasn't like an obese, like, I mean, I wasn't, you know, 48 inch waist, uh, yeah. but I definitely was not, uh, the most fit kid because yeah, I think I had a lot of these same kind of, kind of issues even going back to then where it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely like I found, uh, um, I found comfort in, in foods. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, just, it's funny cause I never, I don't, I don't hear too many people like reference those old school. Like, I mean, it tastes like paper or oh, yeah, like, that's cardboard. They're horrible. Yeah. That stuff is straight up nasty, uh, yeah. but it, it gives you the hit that you're looking for. Mm-hmm. That's really what it was about more than anything else. And I remember just the, the feeling of never being full, of never being satisfied and eating until I literally would hurt. Like there was like a physical sense of pain and that's what would actually stop me from eating. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that I felt satiated. It was that like I was physically not capable of putting more food down. And we kind of had this joke again that having a nose for sugar there, if there was a donut, if there was a cookie, I was aware of it. But I always remember having this, uh, if there was, I was always worried about my next meal, even though we never went without food. I mean, we didn't grow up rich. I mean, when I was, Young and we moved. We moved up to Oregon, and I remember for a while we lived in a single, uh, a finished out single car garage. And my sister would sleep in a drawer because there wasn't enough beds. And I think that that created just a scarcity mindset, mm-hmm. also scarcity in terms of like, you know, when there's food, you got to eat as much as you can because you don't know when you're going to get more, which is really sad. Because there's always plenty of food, so that 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 kind of mindset got ingrained um, from a very early age, medicating with food, and then uh, when I you know hit you hit puberty, and then uh, learned about masturbation, and hey now there's a more potent way of medicating with how I felt, and so I'm addicted to food, 
as a way of medicating how I felt. I quickly became addicted to masturbation. And now, were you a, were you aware um, at the time um, that it was an addiction? Um, was obesity running? Was it prevalent, like within your family? I mean, or were other people kind of like, did you stand out, or is like, or no, you just fit in with everybody else? So it, it just kind of seemed like this is this is the way that like our family kind of like eats and looks. Yeah, well, my dad was heavy, and I kind of learned a lot of these habits from him. And I th- and he was he was uh, quite heavy. I think the heaviest he ever got was four hundred and fifty on about a six foot frame. So again, mm-hmm. uh, really big. And so I kind of was resigned to the fact that well, this is just how I'm made. I was made big boned or whatever, and I was just going to be chubby and fat. So I kind of. Um, I given in to that. Yeah. None of my friends were obvious. Well, not obviously, but, but the, I mean, the friend group I ran in, like no yeah. one else was. So it wasn't usual. And I was extremely self-conscious about it. extremely self-conscious. Um, and so this, but when, when a home is chaotic and emotionally chaotic, you don't know what you're going to get. You don't know. And like I said, my dad was bipolar. You don't know what version of your dad was going to come home. You, you grasp onto anything that gives you relief. And food is really easy. Food is really easy. So I knew it was a problem, but I also felt completely powerless to change it. Uh, I tried losing weight. I, well, let's, and so. Let's get let's get to that. So, like I said, became aware, and I know that some people kind of vary on the spectrum on is masturbation wrong or not. But what I always have an issue with is if if you're addicted to some activity, like, and it's interfering with your quality of life, you have an issue. Um, and and I know that there's clinical definitions of addiction and all that. Okay, fine. I, I'm much more pragmatic. If there's a if there's a habit in your life you want to stop but feel powerless to be able to stop, that's an you addiction. Gotta, you, you got a problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At the yeah. very least, you have a problem. If you're so. if you're if you're doing something on a on a regular basis that is not uh, yeah. contributing to you becoming a better person or continuing or you know actively working towards your growth. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a destructive addiction. I mean, you can have addictions that are, that are good. And then I think that even there, there's like, there's a, there's a line that you probably really need to be paying attention to, to where even like an addiction to like fitness or, you know, yep. food tracking, et cetera, like those, those can all lead to destructive habits. So yeah, yeah I've, you know, you know I've, I've done a fair amount of kind of like reading on kind of like the clinical definition. And I think mm-hmm. that, uh, if you were to look strictly at that, I, you know, probably, 80% of the people that are addicts and have problems like wouldn't fall under under that category. So yeah, I'm 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 right there with you. If you got something that you're partaking in on a regular daily basis and consuming yeah. hours of your time, um mm-hmm. it's destructive, it's it's an addiction for sure. Yeah, so and this was definitely in the category of addiction and I was still addicted to food at the time. Well, so this is um, you're in you're you're in high school when kind of I'm this high, Yeah, okay. I'm in high school now when this is all hitting uh, I have been going on for a while. I actually shared my uh, struggle with my dad um, 
on the masturbation side of things because I kind of knew like, hey, I think this is wrong, but it it makes me feel better. So I'm going to going to use it as a way of dealing with it. I share it with my dad. And instead of engaging with me, he just gets out of the car and goes and looks at a fishing boat. Mm. And that quickly taught me people don't care. And you're on your own. So I kind of took that to heart and said, okay, when it comes to things I struggle with in life, I'm on my own. There's no real reason to share it. Deal with it. So I kind of got that ingrained pretty deeply. And then I get to junior year of high school. And this is when I actually hit my peak that I mentioned before. I'm 265 on a five foot six frame, 48 inch waist. I can't run worth beans. And I've been doing musical theater most of my life. And we, I wanted to be the lead in a musical. And the director uh, told me, like, I can't, I can't cast you as a lead. You're too fat. And that hurt a little bit. <laughs> but, wow. I mean, okay. it actually ended up being a really, really it, it actually ended up being a very good thing because I'm like, okay, F this. Uh, I want this. I'm going to make this happen. And so I then proceed to start running as much as someone that fat can run. And I joined the cross-country team at my high school, which was hilarious and terrible. And I am so thankful for two of the coaches, uh, Mr. Ball and Mr. Meter, who I really appreciated our program at the school because varsity was obviously elite, but JV, anyone could do it. There was not a cutoff. And so they said, like, yeah, come out and run with us. And they actually took time to coach me and help me. And, man, I had the shin splints from hell. but they were just encouraging for me and cheered me on, which was incredible. And so I start running. I start pounding. Um, I live in Portland, Oregon at the time, so it rains a lot in winter. And so what I ended up doing is just doing stair steps for an hour at a time to try to lose weight. I cut the sugar and garbage out of my diet. So now I'm eating a quote-unquote healthy uh, diet. So the classic healthy yeah. like, brown rice and broccoli and chicken breasts and stuff like that. And I ended up dropping about 80 pounds uh, in about nine months. Amazing. So, yeah. So I felt a lot better. Still, um, I now had a fear of food, kind of less an addiction to food, but like it's still an unhealthy relationship. You shouldn't be afraid of food. So we'll get to that. So I've lost weight, still deeply addicted to masturbation didn't have access to the internet yet so get to leave the musical yay things are great so i'm at a much healthier place i'm 185 pounds go to college and at college i get access to the internet and i immediately start to develop a really deep addiction to pornography um and it ended up being where man on average you know every other day i was looking at pornography for probably hours at a time and I think I was doing really good when I went three or four days. Then I was being really spiritual. And that created, again, this kind of really unhealthy cycle that was going on. Um, I Now, once again, I, um, I just want to kind of step in because yeah. At, yeah. at that time, um, I mean, I know looking back now, like we can, it's easy to, to look back and reflect, but um was it was it glaring that it was was an issue because 
you know, let's say there's a, you know, there's a 19, 20 year old college kid out there right now. It's like, dude, like foreign every third day. Like, I mean, like, so were you, were you aware of it at, at the time or, um, did it, did it, did it take, you know, um, like getting deeper, deeper down the path to where, to where Uh, I knew, I knew that this was immediately wrong. Uh, and again, some people argue with that. And again, I'm not going, if someone says, Hey, I'm not a Christian. I think everything is fine. I'm like, okay, well, that's what you've decided. But I, I am a Christian and I think this is absolutely wrong. Mm. So again, I, I am doing something and I feel powerless to stop it. And I would, I would binge. And so probably two or three hours of looking at pornography at a time. And, uh, it would cause me to be isolated. It would cause me to be disconnected from people. I would feel deep sense of shame, shame cycle that goes with that. And again, these are classical signs of addiction where mm-hmm. you're, you're being robbed of quality of life. And so you have a huge issue. And I started to uh, share that with some guys I was ra- around, but still felt powerless to stop. I'm still eating a kind of classic, healthy-ish American diet at this point. No more binging on Totino's pizzas, but... Yeah, uh, so, so, you're, so you've kept the weight off at this point. At this point. Um, but your, your place of comfort where you go, as in when you were younger, it was food. Now it's 100%, like it's shifted and it's like, yeah. I can handle the food a little bit. I'm scared of it. I'm gonna stay away from that over there. Uh, yeah. But for that release, for that dopamine, I need to go boom here. And that's where like, that's where it becomes a problem. Like you said, I mean, it's uh, yeah something that you had no control over. Yeah, absolutely agreed. So there's definitely still a, a dopamine addiction going on. It's just its source has shifted at this point. Um, so I feel pretty powerless to change. This goes on for several years. Okay, so this is this is going to become more pertinent when we get to the diet side of things. Like some people would say, like, well, you need accountability, or you need to be sharing with. Or yada, yada, yada. Like, okay, let's set the thing straight. I'm living in a Christian fraternity with 50 other Christian guys. I have a weekly group where I meet with guys and we talk about spiritual stuff and how are we doing. I also have a group of guys that I share with whenever I screw up and go and look at pornography. I confess to them and they pray for me. So all the classic things that someone would say, oh, these are the things that you need to do. I am doing those, right? Yeah. And, you know, I don't know what your, I don't know what your relationship is with your, your father now, but I mean, at a very young age, like you went to reach out and his response to you, like you said it at that time, it ingrained in your mind. Like I'm on this, like I'm in this on my own, almost in a way like so fortunate. I'm sure you, you know, you can look back and say that you, you did have that group and that fraternity, Mm -hmm. but like it was, it was ingrained in your mind from a very young age. So I think this is a, this is maybe a, a, a point where we can kind of speak to parents right here. It's like, yeah. Hey, like be, you know, be cognizant, be aware. Like if your child reaches out to you about something, like you gotta, like, you gotta be there. I mean, yeah. um, so, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if that was the case, but I mean, just when you said it earlier, I was like, Oh wow. That's like, that's alarming. Um, yeah. That you said that. So. Yeah. And I, again, I was, I was very blessed. I mean, my, my entire story is just this series of, God providing people uh, mm-hmm. to be engaged with me at 
critical points. And at this point, like I said, I was in, I was in Christopher journey with a bunch of guys who were uh, walking the talk. And so it's at that point where I'm like, okay, it's okay for me to share. And that took a while. That wasn't just like, oh yeah, I, I can just open up now. So I think it was probably about six months into my freshman year after seeing these guys living sincerely. Yeah. Okay, this is this is a safe place to share. Well, let's let's also I don't I don't want to gloss over um this, you know, this Christian thing, this, you know, mm-hmm. b- like being a believer uh because I forget exactly where I heard it, but um in the last couple of weeks. So we uh, our church just went through a series on desire. 3 weeks, yeah. you know, talking um sex, talking, you know, all the topics here and porn was mm-hmm. porn was one of them and I can remember hearing um if so we're just talking people that attend church on a regular basis. Like let's call yeah. it twice a month. If those people just stopped watching porn, that would cut the porn industry in half. Mm. Um, and that's an alarming, alarming number because mm. yeah, I'm, I'm also a Christian and like, it's, it's, if you're a believer, like it's, it's not right. So the yeah. fact that, I mean, a, that large of a number of, of Christians are consuming this on a regular basis. And I think another book I read, uh, Surfing for God by Michael John Cusack, um, says that 70% of, uh, of Christian men have mm-hmm. viewed porn in the last year. Um, yeah. so yeah, while you are around the right people, I'm sure that you probably weren't the only one, um, in that environment that was, that was dealing, you know, with, with this issue. No, not at all. And that's one of the things that where I learned that, <laughs> No one's got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I also learned is that what, sometimes the best thing I can give someone is the gift of going second, where I, I'll go first, right? I will say, hey, I'm effed up, right? These, these are the things that I'm struggling with. And then it frees other people up to be able to share like, oh, okay. Like if he's struggling with this, I don't, I don't feel as bad sharing about the difficulties I'm going through and i'm i'm bringing this stuff up uh, to later we're going to get to where i, I get to carnivore how the the how it helped above and beyond these other things what i'm what i'm trying to say is during this time i'm doing the right things i'm connecting with the right people i'm confessing i'm i'm following the classic prescription and i'm not saying that you shouldn't do those things you absolutely should do mm-hmm. those things you should absolutely be engaged in community. You should absolutely be sharing with people what your struggle is. You should absolutely be making those connections and doing all those things. And so I'm really speaking to the person who's doing all that stuff and is still struggling, mm-hmm. right? It's still having a hard time like I was. Like there, there's more that you can do that's going to help you. So eventually I get to the point to where I start to clean up a little bit. I'm in graduate school at this point. So dealt with a pornography addiction for six years, deep pornography addiction. And at this point, I'm a little cleaned up. It's become very infrequent at this point. So maybe like once a month, something like that. And I ended up having my first girlfriend at the age of 25. That relationship started pretty well and then went south. Um, Didn't end up having sex with her, but pretty much everything up to that point. And I, that ended, I then met my wife in irony of ironies. Um, so let's set some context. I'm 
not a, not really actively addicted to food at this point. I'm not heavily into pornography at this point. So did, did that relationship with that first girl, did that, um, at that point, were you able to kind of scale it back a little bit? Well, I, I had, I had scaled back my pornography, uh, addiction before that, before that. Okay. Because of the support group and just being yeah, in the right community yeah. and all the, all the other. Okay. Yeah. Just being in a healthier place. And so I think the key takeaway from there is that healing takes time mm-hmm. because I had an entire growing up with an unhealthy relationship with my dad to heal from. That's a lot of what was happening my college years. So had that relationship uh, with my first girlfriend, went very poorly, ended that, was very angry at women at the time, <laughs> met, met my wife in middle school ministry, irony of ironies, and I was very frustrated with God because this is a bad time. I don't want to, to meet someone special right now. but. Uh, my wife was a very remarkable person. It became very clear to me that this was someone special. Got married. And I think it was about a year into our marriage where I started struggling with pornography again. And some other context I want to kind of put on this, that there there was, I mean, I'm a year into marriage. There is no... um, I'm having plenty of sex. Mm. So it's not a lack of um, release or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not there like to, yeah, to fill a void. Like, yeah. 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 And so it, part of what was going on is work was very stressful. I'm trying to finish a master's degree at the time. So just a lot of stress. Boring. And so I found myself going back to look at pornography, not to masturbate, but just as a, a way to escape. Hmm. and I share this with my wife uh, I'm very, and I was open and honest with her before we even got engaged saying like hey you know what? <laughs> like this is these are all the things that I've struggled with in my life are you okay with that and I it was funny because that was actually on our first date I was like hey this is reality and she came back at me with her stuff and I was like oh okay this might work I don't recommend that as a general strategy, but, um, yeah, we're not, yeah, this show is not for dating <laughs> advice. Like we're not here to tell you like what to say. Um, no, no, uh, but that told me like, okay, my wife can deal with reality and, and the tough stuff. So that was, that was very important. I felt very blessed. So I, I'm opening and honest with her like, Hey, I'm struggling. Uh, I think I need to do something. So I ended up joining a ministry called FMO. So it's called, Four men only. It's based in the Northwest, living in Portland, Oregon at the time. And it's just where men, to come, men come together each week and we, um, we work on our stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's really funny. Uh, the leader of my group, when I, he talked about it, he presented at a men's conference saying, hey, you know, you should consider FMO if you're really struggling. And I went up to him like, okay. So do you guys actually fix anything or do you just come together and feel bad every week? And he's like, no, we actually fix stuff. Hmm. <laughs> wow. No, I'm, uh, that's true though. I uh, was having a conversation. Um, we were speaking earlier about Danny and Mora. Um, mm-hmm. Just talking with, with Mora this past weekend. And, and it's something that's real though. Like a lot of these groups are, let's just get together and let's just feel sad for each other. And it's like, no, mm-hmm. like, I can tell that, you know, you are a growth minded person. It's like, 
No, I'm, I've identified the problem. Now I need to find the people uh, that are going to help me come up with yeah. solution. Um, so I think that's, you know, kind of another takeaway. Like if you're out there and you're, you're searching for groups, like, like make sure you find the one that is like solution oriented. Uh, we just don't want to sit around, you know, with, with tissues and, and, and yeah. feel, feel sorry for everybody. I have a question because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you obviously had, had kind of overcome, you know, quite a bit, um, earlier and it was, you know, it was a part of the group and being in the right community and having the support. Um, and then you did get married. So, uh, between, you know, between the group and college, like the fraternity brothers and, and all that, where you, you know, really found the support and then looking in these other groups, like, was there a gap in kind of your involvement in community? No, I've been, so again, I've been very blessed. I have a group of about, I have a group of three guys mm-hmm. who are my best friends. And we all, we met freshman year of college, it's Ian, Ian, Andy, and Lane. And we've walked through everything together. Uh, we've all been in each other's weddings. And I, I, it's just, I've, I am so blessed. A lot, of, a lot of guys don't have a best friend. And I count myself very fortunate to have three. And there's nothing I wouldn't share with those guys. And that is something really, really powerful. Really powerful. No, amen. I 100. I have, um, I have a circle of, I call them all my best friends. I mean, I don't know how many, like, I don't, I don't know if there's rules on how many, um, but I mean, I've, I've, I've talked about them on various episodes and the role impact that they've, they've played in me. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's important. Um, whether or not you're dealing with, you know, addictions of this degree, like just ultimately, I think for success in life, like Mm -hmm. finding people you can lean into and like share, because we all go through struggles. Mm -hmm. Um, we're going to continue on here, but yeah, definitely find those guys or, or girls, gals, if, if, if that's who's listening, uh, Mm -hmm. people that you can be, be open and vulnerable. So, all right. So, so in the, like in the first few years of your marriage when work life is stressed and you're kind of getting back into that, like those brothers are still there and you're still openly sharing. Mm-hmm. You just needed something a little bit deeper, um, mm-hmm. which was this uh, for men only group. Yeah. And so I started doing that. And again, things start to get better. And a lot of what we were doing there is unpacking the past. Um, and what's really positive about it is that we say, okay, you did a thing. Okay. That's a bummer. Now, what, what structure do we need put in place to protect you against doing that again. But let's, let's also walk through like, how did you get there emotionally? What happened that led you to that point? Mm. And I think that's extremely valuable. Not that we should live in the past. I, and I think sometimes people get obsessed with that, but I think it is valuable to understand, Hey, what are my triggers? What are, what are the things that occurred in my past that are now encumbering me. So for me, it's the ability to trust people, right? And that came from when I reached out to my dad and he just kind of walked out. Mm-hmm. Okay, not everyone's that way, man. So I recognize that I have that tendency to not trust people. Okay, I work on it. So that group is great, helps, but now I'm probably at once every month, once every couple months, instead of being like an every week thing. That's kind of where it had gotten to when um, I started looking at pornography again. So it gets better, but still struggling. Then I start gaining weight. <laughs> Ugh. So 
yeah, that sucked. So I had actually gotten all the way down to 160 at one point. And that was in college, and my activity level was just outrageously high. I was doing ballroom dancing. Like, I did a ton of dancing, just mm. a crazy amount of dancing because it was fun. But I was periodically running, and so I was trying to stay in shape-ish. And so that was, that was a pretty healthy weight. Well, asterisks on that. So I was lighter, but I don't know if I was actually healthier because I was a very soft 160. And I think that really matters because ultimately, you're, I do not care what my weight is. I, carry, I care about what my height to waist ratio is because that's a much stronger indicator of long-term health. Mm. I care about my body fat percentage much more. Like These are much more important indicators. Just how much you weigh, like, that doesn't really matter. It, so that's going to come back in a little bit. So I, I had gotten much lighter. I don't know if I was actually healthier because I was, very, I was still very soft uh, around the middle. Start to gain weight again. I start creeping up. I, probably, I think I, I probably hit about 200, which for me puts me at about 38, pushing a 40-inch waist. Okay. Not super happy about that. And I'm like, oh, no, what am I going to do? And I start saying, like, hey, I know how to fix this. I will, you know, quote, unquote, eat healthier, the classic American diet of brown rice, broccoli, and chicken breast, stuff like that. And I'll just run my brains out. And I start running again hard and by running i mean every other day eight to 12 miles and i'm eating oatmeal at breakfast and lunch and just super boring very classic prescription for what the healthy diet is yeah and it's it's doing jack it is doing jack what that time you're probably your body is in probably such a caloric deficit and it's reminded of okay he's done this to us before um, we, we know how to prevent this now. So yep. puts on those kind of fat, fat defense mechanisms to where, yep. um, you're just in a survival, survival yeah. spot at that point. No, absolutely. Uh, your energy's got to be, I mean, horrible. Like you, like you can't, you can't feel good internally, cognitively. I'm sure you're, you're probably not, not really there as well. So, so, yep. yep. I think, uh, I think anybody out there listening, I mean, at some point has probably gone this approach. I mean, uh, myself, I mean, being a, being a bodybuilder and working with all different people, like definitely gone that approach where I just need to create this massive caloric deficit as quickly as possible. Um, but yeah, it, it can, can work short term, but the long term, uh, effects are just, yeah, not good. Yeah. Well, and this is, so I go back to referencing high school, like, Hey, I know how to beat my brains out. <laughs> so it's now that I'm older, I'm doing the same thing. And it's not, it's not moving the needle. It's not moving the needle at all. I'm like, well, this is garbage. So uh, I get frustrated. This goes on for several months. And it's not moving the needle. It's not really making a change. And so I put in my engineering cap. And I'm like, something is wrong. This, is, this does not make sense. This is not working. And so I start diving, diving into the world of health. And I, I find paleo. Like, okay, this is interesting. Found some good resources there. I find my way to keto. I ended up finding uh, two keto dudes and their podcast, which is great. And the reason I found it is because Carl Franklin, he has another podcast called .NET Rocks. 
which if you're in the technology community is a pretty famous podcast. And so I've been listening to it for quite a while because again, I'm a software engineer. And Carl started talking about, hey, he, Carl struggled with his weight. He started doing keto, started losing weight. And I'm like, oh, and he started this podcast. I'm like, oh, I should go check that out. What, uh, and, what's, what's the years we're, we're, we're talking here? Oh, uh, man. Let's, okay. Uh, this is probably three years ago, three, okay. four years ago. Okay, so 16, 2016, 2015. Yeah. Still very, very early kind of in the podcasting space. Yep. Um, yeah. So that's great. So two keto dudes, are they still? Um, They're still going. Still going. All right, we'll get them linked down, down below in the show notes for sure. Yeah, and what I, and I was actually very fortunate this last year, I was actually at a tech conference and Carl Franklin was there and I was able to go up to him and say, hey man, thank you so much because you saved my life. Um, so I started doing keto and here's the great thing about keto. I was able to eat as much as I wanted, right? I'm like, finally not hungry. Mm -hmm. And for someone who is used to just being hungry, like all the time, even when I've eaten a ton of food, the, the, the feeling of not actually being hungry is amazing. Just amazing. I'm also not losing weight, but I'm not hungry. <laughs> yeah, well, I was, I was, I was going to say, like, I, I could eat every, you know, I, I could eat as much as I wanted. Well, yeah. I was successful. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, like, so I'm, I, I'm incredi- incredibly grateful for that. I'm, so that is actually in contrast to what I was doing before, where I was doing all this running, I was in this huge caloric deficit, and the needle isn't moving. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not in a caloric deficit. I'm still not losing weight, but I'm also not feeling hungry. So for me, that was a huge deal. Okay. And I, I really wanted just to find a way of eating that would help me maintain health, but wouldn't, wouldn't require me to just feel hungry all the time. Because I'm like, that, that sucks. And I also, when I talk to other people, I don't want to tell them like, hey, there's this thing, it works, but you're going to feel terrible. The <laughs> like, that doesn't sound like a really good solution to me. So I do that for probably nine months or a year, uh, probably about a year. I'm doing keto, not really losing weight, still not. But I also, I also feel better and I start to get some more mental clarity. And I think that's one of the things that is a huge benefit for people is that you don't get the brain fog. Mm. You don't get the afternoon brain fog, that dip in energy. It's like, no, oh, I just feel good and I feel good all the time. So that takes me through most, uh, that takes me up to September of 2018. And it's at this point, so still struggling with pornography periodically. Uh, One of the other things, if you listen to the other podcast episodes, is start to really struggle with alcohol uh, as another way of, Coping and dealing with dopamine. Um, hmm. Out of out of respect for other people, I would not say I was addicted to alcohol because I've 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 known people who have had alcohol addiction, and that that stuff is real. Mm-hmm. That stuff is scary, man. And um, I was definitely using it as a way of coping. So I will say, like, I was using alcohol as a coping mechanism. I wouldn't say I'm addicted because I could just not drink for a month and it wouldn't be an issue. So. Yeah. Uh, 
but it's probably it probably had a place in you know you're still um you're still struggling with with porn but you're aware of it you're sharing you're in groups yep. uh, but i think you you know you're aware so there's there's an element of um maybe shame or or, or regret so here's a way that i can go kind of i have these feelings because of this thing that i'm doing i can go over here and this substance here is going to kind of make those feelings kind of go away yeah okay. yeah yeah for sure so that's all kind of going on at this point uh my wife and i've had two kids uh and work is super stressful and it's at this point that i start looking for employment elsewhere um and then I eventually come across this crazy thing called carnivore. And again, I, I, I heard about it first on Two Keto Dudes, and it's because Amber O'Hearn came on there, and she started talking about it. And I'm like, this is crazy, but it sounds delicious. So, <laughs> like, I'm not really opposed, but, like, man, that's, that's just nuts. Like, no vegetables? You got to be, you gotta be out, out of your mind. So. At this point, I've, got, I've gotten a new job, and it's in Detroit. And the way the timing is working out, like we have to sell our house in Portland, but I'm starting in Detroit, and there's like this two-month period where I'm going to be in Detroit. My family's going to be in Portland, so it's just me on my own. And I'm like, you know what? This would be a perfect time to try this carnivore experiment because it's not going to interfere with my family. It's not going to impact anybody else. And well, I, <laughs> there's no one around to tell me I'm crazy. <laughs> so I, I start working in Detroit. I'm like, I'm just going to do this carnivore thing. And I'm also really thankful for, um, oh my gosh. It's the one by, it's the podcast by Vanessa. Um, wow. She's fast keto. Um, Oh my gosh, I'm I'll I'll look it up. But she she had a series of podcasts that she did on Carnivore, and she was talking to Sean Baker, mm-hmm. and she talked to Amber Hearn. Uh, so a lot a lot of the the typical cast of characters in the Carnivore community. And so yeah. that gave me a lot of reassurance for like, okay, this is not completely crazy. There's good medical evidence behind this, and Carnivore cast also comes out about this time he's just starting it out and so i was so thankful for these resources where people who are doing this experiments and they're they were doing the science i'm like okay i'll give this a shot so i decide hey i'm gonna do really strict carnivore and i'm just gonna do steak do eggs and bacon because you have to have bacon yeah. So, <laughs> so, that, so, so was that kind of your entry there? Cause yeah. I know everybody kind of gets to it a little bit differently. Yep. For me, it was 30 days beef and water. Like I went to oh. like the furthest, furthest, <laughs> you know, and I was like, this is what I need to do. Um, oh, I've slowly, you know, after 30 days, I started to, to kind of reintroduce and, and now I'm, you know, I'm following the Paul Saladino nose to tail approach, but so yeah. you went in, so you, so your steaks, eggs, bacon. Yep. Beautiful. That- like, that, I mean, like <laughs> I could live the rest. You know what I mean? Like, it's just incredible. like, yeah, steak, bacon and eggs, like bring it on. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? So, yeah. And also uh, black coffee uh, as well and the water. And so like that, that was it. And man, I, so I think at this time it was about 195 uh, 
as far as my weight, and I just felt fantastic, dude. I felt so good. So you were and, coming off of keto though. So there wasn't, yeah. there wasn't a whole lot of transition and like you didn't really have the kind of the stool issues that were maybe kind of prevalent. I mean, cause I, I know did. back, you didn't, no, you, I still, did. you still I had did. some of those. I, okay. Yeah. I still had some of those because when I was doing keto, I was still doing, I was still doing High broccoli. Uh, I was doing broccoli. I was doing cashews. I was, so, I mean, there was, there's other, there's other fibrous things in my diet. Got it. Um, and so this was like no fiber in this. And so that's why I say like, Hey, you know, you might, you might experience some, some stool issues. And so I had that for about the mm-hmm. first week and it cleared up. Uh, I also just had absurd amounts of energy. And one of the things I found is that coffee was suddenly so much more potent where before I'm from Portland, Oregon. Right. And we take coffee various. <laughs> and so yeah. like I, I would drink a lot of coffee. But I was finding that, oh my goodness, I cannot drink as much coffee because it's just giving me so much energy. It's making it harder for me to sleep at night. Uh, yeah. Well, another thing I did real quick, we're going to get back to this because this is yeah. where it's really getting good. Um, yeah. I, so in that 30 days where I did beef and water, I pulled coffee out completely. I had gotten to a point where like, I don't even think it was doing anything. I think I was drinking it out of just sheer habit, yeah. probably addicted to it. Yeah. Um, so when I reintroduce it after what probably was more like 45, 50 days of being completely off, dude, yeah. like a six ounce cup, which normally I'd have to drink like eight cups, like a six yeah. ounce cup, which is get me going for like oh, yeah. a day. But yeah. yeah, it's definitely, definitely notice that. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I warn people about is like, Hey, you know what? <laughs> like ca- caffeine may hit you a whole lot harder now. Yeah. And so I'm eating, I'm eating I'm eating beef, I'm eating eggs, I'm eating bacon, I'm having black coffee and water. I feel amazing. And I just start dropping weight, man. And again, I don't measure how much, well, correction. I don't know if I lost weight or not. My waist was definitely shrinking. And I went through several pants sizes like right off the bat. And I was wearing a 30, like I said, I was kind of wearing a 38. I dropped down to a 34 real fast. How did your, how did, um, how was your training activity? Like, did you increase um, energy expenditure, like your output? Like, did you run more? Did you lift weights? Or was this was this soul based on like the change in the diet? Just eating, man. Yeah. Um, I believe it. I did. I did some lifting, but that was probably maybe two or three days a week. And it was, it was no cardio. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and that was like some deadlifts, some squats, some overhead press, and pull-ups. Yeah. Like that's it. And so nothing nothing terribly intense, nothing crazy, uh, not crushing it in the gym. I was in the gym maybe 20, 30 minutes. Again, maybe two or three days a week, mm-hmm. but no no real activity level increase at all. Because I was doing push-ups before and I had I had little kids and so I'm running around with my kids. And so like I had some activity level there wasn't so there wasn't a dramatic uptick in that i wasn't running anymore i had i had stopped running and i wasn't going for long walks or anything like that so not this is not because of some dramatic change in my activity level so i start eating that way i feel fantastic i start dropping inches pretty rapidly and again i'm eating to satiety 
one of the other things I noticed is that like, man, I do not need breakfast. And I also noticed like, you know what? I really just like eating once a day. Mm. And now, now I just play it very much by ear right now. Like, Hey, if I'm hungry at lunch, I'll eat lunch. But if not, I'll just have dinner. It's fine. So that that's first change. And then I also noticed that my addiction, well, my desire for alcohol, I'll say it that way. So up to this point, like I said, I was definitely liking a drink every evening, sometimes a couple. And then one of the first things that I see taper off is like, hey, you know what? I don't really feel like, I don't really feel like having bourbon anymore. That, and that was just kind of crazy to me is because before I'd be like, oh, you know, I, I really need that at the end of the day and I feel a whole lot better. And it's at this point, like, you know what? I don't, I don't know. That doesn't even taste good anymore. I don't really like the taste of it, which is strange because I used to really like it. And so that's one of the other changes I just kind of start noticing to creep in. And then I also found that my desire to look at pornography started to just drop down dramatically. And for someone who had been deeply addicted to pornography for almost two decades, well, about a decade and a half at this point, that was crazy. And what I, and what I, the way I explain it to people, it's not that, it's not like it went from, it's not like it's non-existent. What I say is it's like the volume went from 10 down to a two. And that's a huge, huge deal because there would be times where I was afraid to be in my home alone because I knew that the moment I was in my home by myself, there would be that switch that would flip in my head, which would say like, Hey man, you could go look at porn. Go look at porn right now. That'd be really nice. You'd really like to do that. Wouldn't you? And it would just be like that poke at my mind over and over and over saying, Hey, you know, you can go do this and you can get this, this belief and I found that that essentially disappeared where it, it wasn't there anymore. And let me also set some context. This is not a low stress time in my life. My family is across. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah. I mean, this is the time where like you're at home all by yourself all the yeah. time. You're not living yeah. with your family. You're in a new city. You're in a new job. Like this would have been the the time where that right there, I mean, should have been at its ultimate peak, but you're seeing the complete opposite happen. It's like you went from the 10 down to the two with all these, all this change taking place. Yeah. And this is where I say, this is not a recommendation for how to recover. <laughs> it's like, no, much better to be in community. Yeah. But um, like I said, it's a high stress time. We're trying to sell my house. My wife is across the country. I can't help her. The kids are being very challenging and I feel powerless to help her. I'm in a new job. I'm learning a ton of new stuff. So this is a high stress time. I should also, I'm also an adjunct professor. I'm teaching a class remotely at this point as well. So there's a lot of stuff going on and I'm by myself. I'm, I'm in an apartment by myself. No one's around me. There's no monitor on my internet. There's, there's no, there's no one watching. And it's at this point where like I have every opportunity and I'm like, you know what? No, I just, it doesn't, doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound interesting. And I, I will say that I, I am trying to maintain connection with my friends. So I am having phone calls. So 
I'm not, I'm not completely isolated, but I also, I have every opportunity. And, and like I said, the volume came way, way down. And what's really interesting about this is I started digging into the science of like, what the heck is going on? And it's, it's tough. Any, any type of, there's a few things. Human beings are extremely complex. So we're really difficult to do scientific studies of. Second of all, there's ethics. So <laughs> like you, like no one's going to get permission to do a trial. Like, Hey, I'm going to get 10 people addicted to porn and 10 people I'm not <laughs> going to get addicted to porn. And then I'm going to do this like randomized control trial. Like you will never be able to do this research. It is, it is illegal and it is wrong, <laughs> but there, there is good evidence to suggest that having a low inflammation diet will have serious implications on your mental state. And if we just if we just think about this, this makes complete sense. We know that what we eat, what we consume affects our mental state, right? If I drink coffee, I'm going to feel buzzed. If I drink alcohol, I'm going to feel a little looser, right? If I am hungry and I eat food, I feel better. Right? These are all things where like, I'm consuming something and it's affecting my mental state. Doesn't it make sense that what you eat is going to affect your mind overall? So if you're eating a bunch of foods that's going to negatively impact your mind, wouldn't it make sense if you ate something better, it would help you? Yeah. And I, I think one of the, you know, one of the biggest kind of buzzwords and, you know, hot words kind of in the health and fitness space over the last year to 18 months is gut microbiome. And I think yeah. all the research coming out now that like the gut is in essence, the second brain of our body. Um, more, more is going on down there than I think we probably understood and, and still understand at this point in time. But absolutely. I mean, the connection between what's going on in, you know, in the gut and the brain. I mean, those two things are, firing and, and communicating back and forth. So absolutely. Yeah, no, I 100% um, uh, agree. Like anything, um, anything we put into our body has an effect, um, not just on the way that we look on our gut, but, but on the way that we're mentally, mentally going to feel as well. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like, and I, I am not a researcher in this area. I don't have all kinds. I don't have like a stack of research papers I can hand you. I can tell you my story though. Mm-hmm. And I can also tell you that there's been plenty of other people who have experienced the same where eating eating a eating a carnivore diet has had dramatic effects on their mental state. And I think this is really pronounced with people with mental disorders, especially bipolar, is people with bipolar, they go carnivore and they experience just massive improvements in their symptoms. And you can you can find these stories on um, Carnivore Cast. You can find these stories on um, there's several podcasts you can look for it out there. Like Amber O'Hearn is a classic example where she has bipolar, but by eating carnivore, she is able to be in just a much healthier state. So there's definitely a lot of circumstance. Well, people stories where this is happening, and so I would say for anyone where, hey, they are experiencing that. They are struggling with depression. They are struggling with bipolar. They are struggling with addiction. I am absolutely not saying this is a cure. I am absolutely saying this may help you. 
And this is coming from someone who I was doing all the things that people told me to do. I was in community. I was reaching out to people. I was, I was in an accountability group. I was sharing my stuff. I mean, I share with my wife whenever I struggle with something, whenever I fail, like I'm very open with her about like, Hey, what I'm going through. So I, I spend time reading the Bible. I spend time praying. I go through Bible studies. I'm connected to a church. I'm going, I go to church every Sunday. Not that that gets you into heaven, but I'm just saying like all these things that people say, Hey, if you just do these things, you know, you should be okay. I'm like, no, I was doing all those things and I was not okay. I was doing all those things and I was still really struggling and it was really hard. And then I found a different way of eating and that in addition to these other things has dramatically helped. And that's really what I'm wanting to say to someone who is in the middle of this and has, maybe has a similar story like, Hey, I'm doing all the things and I'm still really struggling. Hey man, try, try, Try a different way of eating. Maybe that's going to help you with your mental state. That is what I'm hoping to reach people with. And, and as I'm at, at work now, and people have, have seen me and seen me improve, like I now have, there's several people around me who are now doing keto. And some of them are doing carnival. And they're like, oh my gosh, like my energy is so much better. My mental clarity is so much better. Like, hey man, at least give it a try. Like worst case scenario, you have like a month of eating steak. Like, oh no. Oh that's no, a- I got to eat steak, eggs, and bacon yeah. for 30 days. <laughs> oh, that sucks. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, like, yeah, it's, I, I had a very similar conversation actually on the podcast, um, episode one, which was kind of a reverse interview where somebody was interviewing me and it was like, it was like, you don't think you can do this for 30 days. Let's talk like the, the length of, of your lifetime. Like what is 30 yeah. days? Just a blink of an eye. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, be willing, like, uh, yeah, the, like you said, the research is, it's not really there yet because you're like this, this is still making the way, but you want to talk anecdotal evidence. You want to talk people seeing real, you know, life changing transformations. It doesn't matter what it is, overcoming addiction, massive weight loss, um, curing, you know, curing, you know, implementation, you know, inflammation diseases such as mm-hmm. rheumatoid arthritis and all these strong autoimmune disorders that yeah. people like Michaela Peterson are, are yeah. literally breaking free of that. We're controlling them their entire life. It's like, yeah. Like, no. And that's why, Matt, I, I, I love so much the fact that you put your, you know, put your story online um, to, because yeah, that's, that's what this podcast is about. It's about sharing the real life stuff. You know, we can point and direct you in, in all the people that are, you know, obviously higher level experts than, than we yeah. are. But um, a lot of times what it takes is it takes like two real dudes, you know, mm-hmm. having conversations, talking about some things they struggled with and saying, Hey, this worked for us. Um, are you willing to, to give it a shot? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Where did, well, um, no, go ahead. Uh, well, <laughs> so one of the things that I was excited about when you actually reached out to me is, is because now a year, more than a year has gone by of doing this. Mm. And one of the things is um, I, I still feel great. Uh, and actually when we went back to Portland in July, the month of July, we were visiting family. And while I was there, I kind of let myself eat a little bit more loosely because we were going back to some of our old haunts and trying, you know, just going back. So there's, there's, there's a, there's K's, uh, it's a great little bar in Selwood and it has some of the best quesadillas you have ever eaten, my friend. And I'm like, I'm getting a quesadilla. Uh, so, yeah. you know, was a strict carnivore, uh, 
while there, and I definitely noticed a an increase in agitation, I guess is what I would say. And so when I we came back home to Detroit, and just like, man, if anything that just taught me, this is definitely definitely the way to, to be eating. And I've noticed anytime I let myself have a treat, unquote treat now, again, like I'm at a birthday and someone's like, oh, you should try this cake or something like that. Or, hey, we're doing pizza. I'm like, ah, okay, fine. Oh my gosh, I regret that every time. <laughs> Whereas it's like, why did I do that? Like that, again, it's not addiction. It's, it's more of like trying to be polite. And again, I have, I have a higher goal than like maximizing my overall physique or anything like that. Like I'm, I'm trying to reach people and connect with people. And so sometimes, you know, I'm, if I'm at somebody's house and they're, and they're serving pasta, oh, okay, I might not eat much of it, but I'll have some. And my, I definitely, my body does not like it. It absolutely still feels best when I'm just eating meat and I, let, and I have cheese. And cheese is kind of my dessert now <laughs> where like, hey, that's my treat. And I'm still having uh, coffee. I, I went off of coffee for a while and didn't really notice much of anything. And so some, I'll, have, I'll have cream in my coffee, like heavy whipping cream in my coffee. And yeah, that's pretty much the extent of what I do. And um, I mean, I'll, I will have uh, a drink here or there. Like, so if I'm out, I might have bourbon, maybe. So it's not, I'm not, for a while, I was like really hyper carnivore. Like I'm, I'm only doing this, da, 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 da. I'm like, you know what, man, if that gets in the way of me connecting with people, if that gets in the way of me being able to minister to the people, like that, that's, that's not okay. That's not the, and it, cause I'm not doing it for um, like serious health reasons. It's not like, Hey, I'm using this to treat my bipolar. I'm using this to treat my autoimmune disease or something like that. Like, no, I'm, I just feel best eating this way. And so I will let myself flex and I won't freak out about it because for me, it's just a tool, right? And if, if some research came out saying like, hey, you really need to be eating, you know, broccoli for some reason. I don't, first of all, I don't believe you, but <laughs> right. like, like I'm not, I'm not dogmatic about this. And but it has definitely served me very well. And I absolutely feel best eating this way, even after a year. And, and you know what? It's easy. Um, and so that's why I like it so much is it because it just takes a whole lot of mental load off of like, oh, well, I got to make this like meal with all these different things in it. Just like, no, man, I'm just having burger patties. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So like, I mean, you're not, you're not weighing food. You're not measuring. You're playing around with OMAD. I mean, that's, that's when people are like, why are you, why are you still doing this? And I mean, like I've been, you know, I've been a nutrition coach. I've, you know, I've been a bodybuilder. I've gone through the gamut when it comes mm -hmm. to diets and, you know, they've all worked to a certain element, but it's like a for one, like you said, I've never had a diet that I've felt this good on for yeah. this extended period of, of time. Yeah. Um, I've never had a diet where I can, I mean, I've, I've, have you, have you messed around with prolonged fasting at all? Or have you just kind of done the one, like the one? No, I, I have thought about it and I have, so I, the answer is no, I okay. haven't done it yet. I've done OMAD and that, so I typically, what I end up doing is I do OMAD during work days. Mm. So Monday through Friday, 
I go to work and I just eat when I come home the evening. And then on the weekends, I usually have lunch and I don't, I might have dinner. I might just nibble on some cheese when we watch a show or something like that. I've been toying with doing the longer fasting. Uh, I haven't done it yet. And I, like, it, I do highly recommend, do highly, highly recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and part of that is I wanted to see kind of where my body would settle out without trying to destroy myself um, because I'm, I'm wanting to do some self-experimentation before I kind of like recommend stuff to other people. And so since I've been able to do this for a year, anyone, okay, now that's the other thing. Anyone says like, oh, it's not a sustainable diet. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, <laughs> like you think you get bored, but you don't. Mm. You know, call me crazy, but steak always sounds good. There's, yeah, there's, I mean, anytime somebody's like, dude, you just don't want it. Like you're not, like you wouldn't just crave a ribeye right now. Like, yeah, it's, it, it, it truly is one of the, the easiest um, and satisfying, man. And, and yeah, yeah, the fasting thing, like, I mean, it's, I've never had a diet where it's like, just go two days without eating, just feel incredible the, yep. the whole time. I'm kind of playing around with some stuff. I know we talked about Danny, uh, Danny Vega earlier. Um, yeah. so we did a podcast where we talked all like muscle building and carnivore yeah. and um, yeah. some of the gems that he dropped, like, like using carbs in a, you know, in a very strategic approach. So mm-hmm. um, maybe 25 grams of, you know, the carb mix that that's got mm-hmm. a slow, slow digestion, either pre or intra workout. Um, and then maybe a big, big carb thing, but yeah, I'm in kind of the experimentation, experimentation mode on myself mm-hmm. as well, before I start mm-hmm. kind of putting a lot of this, a lot of this stuff out there. Um, <clears throat> do you pay attention to like food quality? I mean, are you, um, do you recommend people go all organic or, or at this point, is it like, you no, know, I just like if, to get started, start with, start with the food, you know, start with just getting the meat, cheese, dairy, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. Or, or do you think that there's a big, a big big part in oh man so i'm gonna lean on i will will refer people to experts i do have some thoughts on this though where i paul saladino is a beast Mm. right like i i feel so dumb anytime he opens his mouth (laughs) not because he's not and that's just because like wow this dude is on another level i i will say a couple things though where if you're at 10% and you, and you want to make improvement, don't sweat that stuff. Don't worry about nose to tail. Just, just, get, just get beef and water and eggs in you and don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. And if that gets you to 90%, fantastic. And if that's all you worry about, you're good, man. And this is, and this is where – so my background is actually – we're getting really specific. It's actually optimization. So I always think in terms of like, okay, what's your objective? Like, what are you trying to achieve in life? Mm-hmm. If you want high quality of life with low stress, like, hey, man, just go to Costco, get the big package of ground beef, just get some eggs and some of that cheese and be happy, right? You'll feel great. And that I think will serve 90% of the population really well. Yeah, if you're if you're going from from a sad diet, standard yeah. American diet, like yeah. that in itself, that's going to carry you for months. Yeah, oh yeah, you you're, you're going to be golden. Now, let's say you're doing that and you want to take it to the next level. Right? Okay, now we can start talking about maybe some food quality, maybe well, before I do even do the food quality, I talk let's talk about meal timing, mm-hmm. meal frequency, 
and fasting because I think that's another one of those huge levers that you can pull that, that's like low low complexity, high yield, <laughs> where it's just kind of like, hey man, let's add let's add a fasting day. Let's add let's add a forty eight hour fast or something yeah. like that because that's relatively easy and that's going to have some pretty dramatic. Benefits. Okay, now let's say you're doing that and you want to take it even farther. Then I think you need to start worrying about stuff that Paul Saladino is talking about as far as like, hey man, are you getting in like your salmon row and all these other nutrients and stuff? I'm totally for that stuff. If you're like, hey, I, I want to take this to 99%. I want to take this, take this to 100%. I, what I don't want to have happen though is someone who is on the sad diet or on keto, right? They're doing keto and they're not making progress. I'm like, hey, what do I need to try next? I'm like, okay, you don't need to jump to nose to tail try just like the beef eggs bacon approach yeah um so i'm i'm now at the point where like hey i feel great i've made a lot of progress i want to go a little farther and so for me i see the next step is like hey let's let's add some longer fasting in there and i've i've seen my weight kind of continue to come down slowly i haven't made some real effort to really focus on that to drive that down because i wanted to see where i would just settle and let me tell you man i feel fantastic my i i don't have really high activity level but i started doing some crossfit just for kicks and the coach there is like wow your your conditioning is really good and i'm like oh okay cool i guess and like my wife has also noticed like my muscle my, my musculature has um grown out where like i'm i'm more filled out in terms of my muscles and i went to the doctor the other day as he should do that apparently. And I I am now like at 182 in terms of my overall weight. But that's so that's like 15 pounds from where down from where I started this. And that's like yeah. zero stress, zero weighing, zero anything, eat to satiety, and don't worry about it. So now that I've been doing this for a year, I'm gonna start trying some new things because I I would like to get a little bit leaner, but I'm also not super stressed about it. I also don't feel addicted to food. I don't feel addicted to alcohol. I don't feel addicted to pornography. This is, this is a huge, huge deal. So the mental benefits for me have almost been better than the physical, but I'm really appreciating both. Yeah. And that's, I think that's kind of a great place. And we're going to kind of, kind of try to bring this, bring this to a close here, just out of sheer, sheer respect of time for everybody, because, um, man, man, I, 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 I love everything you're doing, man. And I'm so, so incredibly excited and, and glad to be sharing this conversation. Cause I, I, I think your story is just, I think so many people can, can resonate with where you were, whether it was a point in, in their childhood or in their early twenties, like there's so many little takeaways and relevant points. Um, and that the, the, the true, the true takeaway here, it's like, like you got to seek clarity. You got to seek um, you know, like mental clearness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think community we touched on a little bit, but, but yeah, if you're out there, you know, I think, you know, like I said, like, like Matt said as, as well, neither one of us are the leading experts in this. Um, we're two guys that, um, have had some tremendous, uh, transformational benefits out of this diet. And we're here to talk about it. We're here to share it. Um, so, I guess, you know, maybe, you know, you, you've, you've dropped a few names, Amber O'Hare, Sean Baker, Paul Saldino. I mean, these names are obviously, they're going to, they're going to resonate with the majority of the people here in this. Um, are there any other, any other places you think you maybe want to point people in? 
um, as we as we bring this to to a close. I do want to share um, your blog post as well because I think that's um, goes a little bit more into some of the details of your journey and and getting in there. So we'll get, get that link down below, Carnivore Cruise. Uh, yeah. But anything you you know anything you have in closing you want to share? Um, if somebody's out there and they're kind of like on the fence, like man, this this, well, this all made sense. Like like let's like can we give them that nudge? Yeah, for sure. So uh, some of the resources that have been really helpful are Human Performance Outliers podcast. That's Sean Baker and oh my goodness, I can't remember the other guy's name. Oh man, I'm a terrible person. But yeah, Human Performance Outliers. It's a really good one. Also, Ketogenic Girl. Uh, that's the one of the podcasts I mentioned at. Be- beginning with Vanessa. She has some really great quality Mm. content. And anytime she just talks to a normal person about their journey, it's super powerful. Uh, Carnivore cast is fantastic. And again, these are all places with real people's stories. Mm. I think that's really great. If anyone wants to chat with me, I'm on Twitter uh, at Carnivore Cruise. That's a great place to reach out to me. And I'm if you're in the Detroit area, I'd love to, you know, grab some meat with you sometime <laughs> and, and just uh, share our stories and encourage one another. So, you, are you are you plugged in uh, to communities up there? I know that's been a big part of 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 your story. Like, yeah. So, I mean, I I go to church at Cross Point Christian Church. It's okay. uh, uh, just outside of Detroit. I also have a group of people that I'm connected with at work, kind of growing this. Uh, carnivore keto thing i'm at quicken loans so hey if you're at quicken you want to reach out to me you could find me (laughs) amazing so i'm in downtown detroit so if you're anywhere near there i'd be happy to connect awesome man we'll make sure we'll get all those links and sites and places people plug down in the uh in the show notes matt once again man i incredibly honored to have you on here just because like i know there's so much value in this story and, and like i said that's that's what this this show is all about so thank you again matt for joining me um, guys, if you're out there and this is your first time listening to the Superhuman Life um, and you found value or you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a like and five-star rating, whether you're listening on iTunes or any of those other podcast platforms. Um, and we always ask one thing at the end of every single episode. Obviously, we are, we are on a mission here to help men break free from the shackles of addiction through the power of faith and fitness. Um, so whether or not this show resonated with you or whether you found value in it, there's somebody within your life out there um, that is maybe seeking some help, maybe is sitting in a place in their life uh, where this message could possibly lift them out of uh, that time. Do us a favor and just send this, send the link to them to share it with one person. Uh, but guys, without, uh, without moving on here, this is Frank Rich with Matthew Cruz. Uh, thank you again. God bless you all. And we love you.